0: Am I rightster or am I wrong? I'm not interested in hearing the fake hypocrisy, passive aggressive tears over Montrez Harrell calling Luka Doncic a bitch ass white boy. The NFL could cause a public health crisis with fans in the stands. Kobe Bryant's death impact is the same seven months later as it was on January 26th. Roger Goodell apologizes to Kaepernick it's too late though and my parting shot today you will not want to miss it am i right or am i wrong is the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet monday wednesday friday fire facts only here Check your feelings at the door. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or social justice warriors, and absolutely no BS because I keep it 100. Make sure that you guys leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching it on YouTube, give a thumbs up. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and make sure you share. We grew over 40% last month, and let's keep it going. Um, And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and Sundays on Fox Sports Radio from 2 to 5 Pacific time and weekdays filling in. But we will start with Montrez Harrell and Luka Doncic. I'm not interested in hearing the fake hypocrisy, that passive-aggressive tears over him calling Luka Doncic a bitch-ass white boy. Montrez Harrell, if you don't know, is a center, power forward for the Clippers. And Luka Doncic is a Slovenian uh, point guard, a do-it-all guy for the Dallas Mavericks. So they're playing in the playoffs. They get into a series. They get into an argument like a sports argument. Sports, you know, you get heated, all of this. And Montrezl Harrell, after they get into it, exchanging words, calls him, <laughs> luka Luca a bitch ass white boy. And I will say this. This is where you got to check your feelings at the door. Because anybody and I mean anybody who thinks that saying white boy to a Caucasian person is equivalent to saying the N word or even calling an African-American a boy is an idiot. I don't care if you're white or black, that's an awful opinion and it's not even close and you know it, it's absolute BS because it doesn't carry the same weight or intensity as the n-word because was it mean, was it mean spirited by Montrez? Absolutely, yes, but this is just a convenient opportunity for some white people who are looking for something to be upset about a a tit-for-tat moment for them see see look they did it too what if it were in reverse if it were in reverse first off it would have been a fight that's the first thing but the words don't have the same meaning and you aren't even offended by it like which is the most important thing if you were actually offended by it then that would be different but the word boy used by it in, in history in the United States, the word boy, they would refer to slaves, the grown men as boy. To dehumanize them and also like lower their statue, stature below them as a childlike. Racists would do that. They even do it now. They call you that to demean you. My wife and her friends can call each other bitch. If they, like, hey bitch, how you doing? They can do that. But if I do it, it's a problem because the word doesn't carry the word for them calling it to each other as a term of endearment does not carry the same weight and intensity as if if I said it because the word nigger, the N-word, is the worst word in the English language. There's so much history and hate surrounding it. But this cancel culture, oh, should Montrez be fired? Should he be suspended? Should he be fined? That is soft, crybaby, what about us behavior? Like, and truthfully, they don't even care. They don't even care. It's just passive, aggressive nonsense. Um, But I wanted to talk about the, the stereotypes for just a second because you have white superstar and Caucasian superstar and Luka Doncic. And when you pull it, this goes into the white boy thing. Because he does things that James Harden, that other NBA superstars that we have seen currently in the game do, but he's going to get more credit because there are not very many white uh, or or light-skinned, fair-skinned superstars in the NBA. Think about this. Just in general, white guy He gets, uh, in in the world of sports, whether it's football, basketball, any of that, what do they say about them? He's high energy. He's high effort. Not super athletic. He's a cerebral player. He makes the most of his physical abilities. What do do they say about the black guy? Oh, he's smooth. He is very athletic. He can do all these amazing things. And when a black guy is not a fantastic athlete, there's always a marginal athlete. Yeah, and it's, just, and it's looked at as a negative. So the in the NBA, when have you seen a superstar, a Caucasian-American superstar in the NBA since Larry Bird? You really haven't. You, you had Dirk. He was German. Steve Nash is from Canada. Manu Ginobili is from Argentina. You got people from all over the place that have not been Americans. So, yeah, I mean, yes, there is something to the stereotypes. Then the NFL, you don't see white running backs, really, except for Christian McCaffrey at this point in time. You don't see white DBs. Yeah, there's a little bit of a stereotype to it, but kind of true a little bit. Right. Uh, Moving on. The NFL is going to have uh, fans at their games could be up to 13, 16, 17,000, depending on the stadium. And uh, even two days ago, Kansas City had 2,000 fans at their practice. Video pictures come out. A good portion of these people are not wearing masks. And I talked to on Fox Sports Radio yesterday, uh, Blair Kirkhoff, who writes for the Kansas City Star. And we were talking about this. And he said that, (laughs) that Kansas City is going to further... Uh, put in recommendations and ways to enforce the mask policy. And the reason why this is, is because the NFL has the potential, if they don't enforce this, that they can cause a public health crisis with COVID-19. And that's why you have some teams being very smart, like the Seattle Seahawks, because they're going to let Kansas City, who's going to bring some more fans in very soon for practice be the crash test dummies does that mean something will go wrong no because in crash test what happens yet a car crashes but the dummies not always hurt they live they would make it if it were a real person so that doesn't mean that it's going to be a disaster but the teams like the Seahawks and a few others have said that they're not going to have fans at their games until after the first two or three weeks of the season hmm why do you think that is Because they want to see what happens elsewhere. And their cities have told them, nah, nah, you are not going to cause a public health crisis here. But can the NFL work? Because I've been a person who has been saying, "Ah, I don't see football working. You got 60 guys. Mm, You're supposed to control what they do after they get frustrated, upset. If they've been drinking, smoking, anything like that, good decisions don't continuously happen. We have seen it in the MLB. Guys going to do things that they're not supposed to do, sneaking out of the team hotel. Like we've seen uh, uh, Indians play, Indians pitchers get sent down for it. So, how are you going to control that many NFL players? But the NFL can make it because the MLB has made it so far. But you got more guys, which is increases the risk. And they've also missed a bunch of games. The NFL has not put out a public um, contingency plan for missed games. They are just going to decrease testing and end it on Thursday or Friday before the games to try to make sure none of this happens. Um, uh, Next thing. up, Well, I just really hope that the NFL that they're not held liable and that they are very careful with what they're doing because the Miami Dolphins are talking about having 13,000 fans. And but you won't know till weeks after the game if it turns into a super spreader event and how fans really act at the game because they may not exactly just follow rules and then you're gonna have ushers and attendants trying to police them. I don't know about that, buddy. Uh, the big 10 parents, big 10 parents are still at it, dude. There, you they may be filing lawsuits against Nebraska. Uh, Iowa, Ohio State, to try to get the season reinstated. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. But they are still at it, which goes to everything in life. Transparency is king. Go back to the past episodes if you want to see more about the Big Ten parents. But the, the thing that people really haven't talked about, about sports coming back in college, And people saying that the money needs to be generated. All this needs to happen. The thing that people really, really haven't talked about is that, yes, the money in sports is big. For some of these teams, $200 million. But the money is way bigger with having students on campus. That money dwarfs the athletic budget because people donate to the endowment. They uh, there's more money literally generated buy tuition and fees that is where the real money is so even if sports aren't around the colleges want to get the students on campus because like my daughter we were considering pulling her out of LMU for a semester or the year because paying 60 grand and I know that it's different if you're in an in-state school and you are or and a state school I know it's a lot cheaper but same point Uh, Same point applies. You do not want to pay the same amount for going to school online as you do in person. And especially for those people who have a lot of student loans, they're like, why am I going to keep accumulating this for when I am not uh, when I'm not getting the type of learning environment that I am trying to pay for? So that is the reason why some of these schools are having kids on campus even though it may interfere with football because that's where the real money is next thing uh my my heartstrings have been tugged at the last two days like dramatically because yesterday was kobe bryant's birthday would have been 42 years old and now in la today is kobe bryant day eight twenty-four, and i tweeted it out but his death impacted me way more than I ever thought it would. And I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, but I felt so terrible. Like I felt bad. The fact that I missed him so much, Like it hurt me so deeply, like just a level of hurt that he was gone. Like I remember exactly where I was at my kids, um, uh, flag football game, right? Less than probably three miles away from where he crashed. And my level of hurt and devastation was so bad. And then I looked at it. I was like, wow, I feel bad because I feel like this should be reserved for his wife, his family and his close friends. But then it made me think even more that like, if I feel this terribly. I, I can't even imagine how they made it through even one day. And it hurts the most because there was so much left. It feels like he gave us so much, but there was so much left. He gave us the Mamba mentality, trying to be your best at all points in time, not just in sports, being being focused, like really being interested and curious about things and not just about the things that are just staring in front of your face and that there are lessons to be learned. Not like if you're a basketball player. That there are lessons to be learned from people in business and, and soccer and whatever else that can you can take and apply to your life in that way. My kids are reading the, the Wizard books um, and I watch his post-career videos like he's a wise man or an elder. That's why it hurts so much and it feels like there was so much left for women's sports and so ah, just just hurts. Um, next thing up, Roger Goodell though. Roger Goodell, he apologized to Colin Kaepernick on uh, with Emmanuel Acho on uncomfortable conversations with the black man. And the apology was good. It was necessary. It was needed because in the statement that he put out like a uh, like a month or two ago, once the players put their statement out about black lives matter. He did. He went up to the line of apologizing to Colin Kaepernick. And to that, I say his apology to cap was too late, but better late than never, but never late is better. His father protested the Vietnam war with Coretta Scott King, and was willing to sacrifice re-election, which is what he did, which is what our politicians should be doing now. Do what you believe and what is right for the people. Not party should not be higher than country and the people in that country. But in terms of the apology to Kaepernick, I do think that Cap made some mistakes by not going to go in and talk, not speaking up enough. He did a a ton and continues to do so much with his actions and is probably still better than so many of the backup quarterbacks in the league now. But still, like Roger Goodell's apology, it was late, but it was necessary and truly like it made me look at him as a different person besides just the guy, the shield for the owners who takes all the bullets and he gets to be the bad guy. Lasting up. Is my parting shot. So in Roger Goodell had the conversation with Emmanuel Acho on uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And this was this is hard for me to say because I pride myself on being an individual who tries to big people up and not have a crabs in the barrel mentality where you believe that somebody else's success takes away from you and all of this. And when he first announced Uncomfortable Conversations with a black man, then a couple of days later, I think it was announced that he he was going to be on Speak for Yourself on FS1. Then I saw that it was going to be with Oprah. He was dudes having conversations with Oprah. And I and it was weird because even though my podcast is growing, I'm in my own lane doing my thing. I was like it. Felt like weird to me. I was like, wow, like I couldn't celebrate his success. And I was like, wow, like I could feel it in my heart and I didn't really want to admit it. I was having a little bit of jealousy. I was like, damn, like what am I going to do about this? Like I could not celebrate this man's success and it was bad. And then I heard a message from TD Jakes about checking your heart. And he talked about as successful as he's been doing all this stuff. He was talking about him and some of the movies that he's made, produced and all of that. And he said that he felt himself having that same situation. So what he did is he noticed it and he really took honest account of it. And he said, no, I'm not going to let this live in my heart. So why would he not be cheering for another man, especially not another black man to go out there and flourish? And I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, so now I'm going to do what T.D. Jakes did. I said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go celebrate Emmanuel Acho. Because he's doing really, really good things. The dude is smart. He is educated. He's thoughtful. And the uncomfortable conversation with a black man and things he said on Oprah. Like, I went back and I watched all of them. Went back and watched what he had to say on Oprah. Went back and watched it because I was like, I'm going to celebrate him and pump him up until whatever I got going on is gone because his success is not impeding on my progress at all because I'm doing good. And I think that that's a lesson that we all should learn. And that's just me being open and honest about my life. And I hope that that's something that if you ever find yourself in that situation, that that's something that you can deal with as well. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment and of course, share. Peace out. Catch you on Wednesday. Heart and all that. And the only way to, um, the only way to diagnose it is with an echocardiogram. Those are expensive, which is a heart ultrasound. They are expensive and they usually don't even get done until a negative event happens to a kid. So all of these kids who have had COVID would need echocardiograms. And that's the problem with college sports. They're not as relatively available as they are in pro sports because they're so expensive. And then trickle down to high school sports. How does that work? So is there a cover up? Because I've heard from a few players that... That they're wondering what is going on at their school. And that makes me wonder, will the schools be transparent about these numbers, even though it may cause a season delay? Florida State players speaking out. Colorado State. North Carolina shut down. Notre Dame online classes. Michigan uh, Michigan State on online classes. There's a reason why they are doing this. Something is up. And I'm wondering, is there a cover up? Am I rightster or am I wrong? Catch you on Monday.